Hey friends, welcome to Anchored In Always. I'm Katie Thornhill, and I've been through the storms of marriage infidelity, drug and alcohol addiction of a loved one, and even loss of a child to cancer. In this podcast, I will share with you how to place healthy boundaries in your relationships, how to recover from past hurts using the principles of Christian recovery, and how to find healing even in the loss of a loved one, so that you can live a life of joy and purpose despite your circumstances. If you're ready to find freedom and victory, then join me on a journey of soul restoration as we anchor into Jesus. So pull your hair back, strap on your boots, and grab your Bible, and let's weather this storm. Well, hey friends, welcome back to Anchored In Always. Um, So today I have a really special guest on my show, and I'm so excited for you all to meet her. Um, Her name is Jill Sullivan, and um, I found Jill through um, a mutual friend that who had lost her son to uh, a drowning incident. Um, and she had um, invited me to one of uh, a Facebook group called While We're Waiting. It's a bereaved mother's private Facebook group. And it, and um, so I joined that group shortly after Marcus died about two and a half years ago. And um, that group was, was just such an encouragement to me, um, just hearing that I wasn't the only one going through this and just getting that support and hearing the stories from all of the other moms in that group, which now that group is like up to 8,500 people. It's just growing. Um, And so that's how I got to know Jill. And then actually just more recently, um, I, someone shared a podcast that they had invited Jill on their podcast to share her story. And that's the first time that I actually Um, heard her story. And there were just so many little connections between her story and our story um, that I just felt led um, to reach out to her and see if she would be willing to come on the podcast and share that with you all today. So with that, Jill, if you could just introduce yourself to the listener, um, I'm just so excited for them to get to know you today. Thank you so much, Katie. I'm just thrilled to be here today and just to be a part of your podcast. Like you said, I'm Jill Sullivan, and I live in Hot Springs, Arkansas, with my husband of 35 years, and um, we are the co-founders, along with another couple of a ministry called While We're Waiting, which we'll talk a little bit more about. Um, I'm the mom of two daughters, uh, Hannah, who is in heaven, and Bethany, who is now 27 years old and is a dental hygienist. She lives in Arkansas, about three hours from us, so we get to see her fairly often, not not nearly often enough, but uh, we enjoy the time that we get to spend with her. Um, we enjoy anything to do with water. Um, we don't own a boat, but we enjoy going boating. Um, we like kayaking and paddle boarding and, and things like that. So um, that's just a little bit about us. Oh my gosh. You know, what's so funny is I just realized there's another connection that we have. Um, so you're I'm a dental hygienist as well. Really? So it was so funny when you said your wow. your other daughter is a dental yes. hygienist. Um, and then my oldest daughter's name is Hannah um, mm-hmm. as well. And so that's just so funny. Um, well, Jill, Jill, if you would just um, share a little bit about your journey with your daughter, Hannah, who is in heaven, and just tell us a little bit about her and, and your journey um, with losing her to cancer. Yeah, well, Hannah was just a wonderful girl. 
Um, she, I, I kind of like to describe her in the things that she loved. Um, she loved her family. Um, when we had, when it was her birthday or something like that, she didn't want to have a bunch of friends over. She wanted to have her family come for her parties, her grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins and things like that. So she loved her family. Uh, she loved school. She was a girl who was very driven academically. Um, she always wanted to be at the top of her class. In fact, her goal um, was to be the valedictorian of her high school class. And she was, she was headed that way. Um, and so she just, she loved school. She also loved American Idol. Um, she started watching American Idol in the second season, you know, back when it was Randy and um, Paula and Simon, and she would just watch that and would would vote for her favorites. Um, that was just a big part of one of the things that we enjoyed as a family together was watching American Idol. Um, and then she also loved the Lord. Uh, she came to know Jesus as her Savior when she was just about eight years old, just came. Um, we had tucked her in for bed when evening evening and she came out to the living room and she said, mom and dad, I want to pray to receive Christ. And so she got down on her knees in our living room and uh, asked Jesus to be the Lord of her life. And she never wavered from that. She was always active in her youth group and went to church camp and all of the things. So that was also an important part of her life. Mm. Um, but on Valentine's day of 2008, she woke up one morning with a severe headache and sick to her stomach. And, you know, kids get sick. We just figured it was a stomach virus that was kind of going around at school. And so we just put her back to bed and um, she woke up a little bit later that afternoon and she was completely fine. Uh, but the next morning it happened again, severe headache and sick to her stomach. Um, and that went on for a couple of days. Um, it was just kind of an unusual thing. Um, but she did go back to school, even though she wasn't feeling very well. She, you know, like I said, she loved school and wanted to be the valedictorian, so she didn't want to miss class. Uh, but she called me from school and she said, Mom, you know, I still kind of have this headache. I'm feeling a little bit better. But now it's like all of a sudden I have double vision. And I was like, okay we're going to the doctor. Um, I was ready to go pick her up from school and take her straight to the doctor. But of course, she didn't want to miss the afternoon classes. So she said, uh, I know, just uh, let me stay. I'll come home and, you know, maybe we can go to the doctor tomorrow. And so she came home from school. I took one look at her when she got home. I just looked into her eyes and her, her pupils were dilated, very large. And that alarmed me. Um, I knew that that was not normal. So we had her into the doctor the next day who examined her and didn't really find anything wrong, but he referred us to um, an ophthalmologist because of the vision issues. And we went to see the ophthalmologist he referred us to, and it happened to be somebody that we had gone to college with mm -hmm. and had kind of lost touch with through the years, a, a good friend from years ago. And so we kind of got reacquainted with him he took one look at her and he said, you know, I really can't tell what's going on, but if it were my child, I would recommend that she have an MRI. So of course we did that. We were getting an MRI the very next morning and before it was over, um, they, the technician came out and, and asked me to stay. Um, she wanted us to go have lunch in the cafeteria and just come back and uh, to come back by and make sure that she had gotten everything she needed with the MRI. And, you know, that that mom radar that we have was kind of um, 
working overtime and I, I couldn't figure out why she was stalling us. So we went and had lunch in the cafeteria, came back by and sure enough, she had already called our ophthalmologist who was on his way over to talk with us. And he met us there and told us that Hannah had a brain tumor and it was located right in the center of her brain. Um, he said, you know, I don't know what this is, but I do know it's going to have to come out. And so he made a referral immediately to Arkansas Children's Hospital. We were there the next morning. And, you know, when you when you hear news like that, you don't you don't know <laughs> what the future holds. Um, I didn't mention this in my introduction, but I am a, a speech pathologist. That's what my training is in. And so I'm thinking, OK, well, you know, she's got a brain tumor. We'll get it out. She might have to have some speech therapy, some physical therapy, you know, if there if there's any brain damage or anything. But, you know, we'll we'll be fine. She'll we'll move forward from this and everything will be fine. Um, and she, you know, she had her surgery on a Tuesday. I think we checked into the hospital on a Thursday. Um, they did a bunch of tests and things like that before we had the surgery. The surgery went very well. They came out and told us that they were able to get it all. Um, she came through the surgery without any impairments. Um, I know you know how terrifying it is to send a child in for brain surgery, not knowing what damage could possibly be caused. Uh, but she came through it very well. Um, we were actually able to go home within just three or four days from her surgery, but we knew we had to come back and get the biopsy results. And when we returned, they told us that the tumor was a grade four glioblastoma, which uh, is a very deadly form of brain cancer. They didn't tell us that immediately. They just told us that we were going to start a series of radiation treatments, chemotherapy, um, all of these things to address the tumor. And so we started that process. And um, Hannah was actually able, to her great joy, to remain in school and go to school each day. And I would drive her to Little Rock. She'd get her radiation treatment. She would swallow a handful of chemo pills as she went to bed every evening. And um, she did remarkably well for about six months. Um, the radiation lasted about six weeks, got that behind us. And then we lived pretty much a normal life for about six months. Um, we would have to go in and get an MRI every um, every couple of months. And it was all clear every time, no evidence of disease, which is exactly what you want to hear when you're a cancer mom. Um, but in September of that year, she began to have some of the same issues she had at the beginning, the headaches, the nausea, um, a little bit of balance issue. And so I called um, up to the hospital and I said, I know it's only been six weeks since our last MRI, but I really think we need to have a look. And sure enough, the cancer had come back. Uh, this time it was on her brain stem and it was all up and down her spine. So there was no surgery they could do. They did start us on a new kind of chemo regimen and a new radiation. It was a radiation called tomotherapy that went all around her body, which very harsh radiation. Um, and she really never recovered from that point. Um, she, um, you know, at, I know that you know the experience of a parent of a child who has brain cancer. She began to lose functions, um, and we watched that slow deterioration, um, losing her bit by bit mm -hmm. over the next few months. And she went to heaven on February 26th of 2009. It'll be 14 years this Sunday from the day that we're recording this episode. Um, and it's so hard to imagine that, that 
14 years have gone by because it seems like forever and it seems like no time yeah. all at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but we're 14 years closer to seeing her again. And I'm so, um, you know, there's a lot of joy when I think of it that way, because I know the best is yet to come with her. Um, there is one other story that I like to include as I share what happened with Hannah. And that is something that she told us or shared with us a couple of days uh, before her surgery. She actually told her dad this story. Um, couple of days before surgery, I had gone home to get some rest. So Brad was the one who was there with her in the hospital. And she told him, she said, you know, dad, I need to tell you something. Um, she had been in a youth retreat just about two months before all of this happened. Um, and she talked about how the guy who was leading the retreat talked to the kids about how God sometimes allows storms in our lives to bring us closer to him and to allow others to see him through our storms. And she said, I went to bed that night and I thought about my life and I realized that I had never experienced a storm in my life. And she was right about that. Um, we had never had, we, we've lived a pretty charmed existence up to that point. She had never experienced the death of a family member or even the serious illness of a family member. Um, we had always had a very solid marriage, a very uh, secure home that she had grown up in. And so, you know, she had not experienced a storm in her life. And she said, so dad, I want you and mom to know that I prayed for a storm that God might use me. And, you know, that's been a comfort to us throughout this journey. We do not believe that God answered that prayer by giving her cancer. Right. Um, but we do believe, you know, God is sovereign and he knew what she was about to face in her life. And we believe that he was preparing her for that. So that when she got the news first, that she had a brain tumor and then second, that it was cancer, she accepted that news with grace and without fear. Um, and I have to tell you, that was not Hannah's normal uh, or typical um, nature. She was a kid who worried about things. She worried about, you know, if she got a 95 on a test instead of a 100, if, if there was a thunderstorm watch, she would jump to the conclusion that we were about to have a tornado. She was that kind of kid. Mm -hmm. But from the moment that she was diagnosed with a brain tumor, all of that went away. It was as if God just gave her this special grace to walk through this journey without fear. Um, and you may have experienced that with Marcus as well. I've seen that with a lot of kids who have been diagnosed with cancer. Their parents tell me that same thing, that God just gives them a peace, that we as parents struggle with the whole diagnosis and journey a lot more than our children tend to do. Um, and so we are grateful for that, that God allowed her to have that kind of peace as she walked this journey. Yes, my goodness. Wow. There is just so much there that you said um, that I can definitely resonate with. And I'm sure, you know, people listening, um, Hannah sounds like a remarkable young lady. Number one, I just want to say that she just sounds like such a beautiful soul and reminds me a lot of my daughter, Hannah, who's also very academic and just strives for excellence and loves Jesus. And, and so I, um, I, I just kind of feel connected to her. It just, you know, she reminds me of my daughter. Sure. Um, 
And just, I just love that God provides, like when you were sharing just that um, almost supernatural grace that he gave Hannah to walk through what, what he knew she was going to walk through. And like you said, I fully agree with you. I don't believe that God gave Hannah cancer, but that like, like she even heard in that sometimes he allows storms to happen in our lives that we don't understand at the time, but he uses them for the Bible says his glory and our good. And and there's diff, like, we not, might not feel like, God, this isn't good. This doesn't feel good. But it's like you said, do we really believe that he is sovereign and that right. he is good? And do we trust him? And it sounds like he gave Hannah that grace beforehand and she trusted him and she wanted her life um, to bring him glory. And he planted that seed before this diagnosis even happened. And so that's just so beautiful. And I, that was the case with Marcus. He was a lot younger. He was only um, just turned six when he was diagnosed. So, but he had always been a very angry, kind of rough, aggressive child. He, he was my youngest and he was always getting into trouble at school. And, but when he got um, right after his brain surgery uh, for the biopsy and to put the shunt in, he um, was a different kid. It was like he woke up from brain surgery and he was super chill and everything was relaxed and easy. I mean, he never complained about anything he had to endure after that fact. Yeah. It was like God just gave him grace and he had always been super stubborn and strong willed. And I remember thinking like, Oh, I don't know what to do with this kid. And now looking back, I can see like God made him like a, a, a tough yeah. uh, because he knew what was, he was going to have to face. And, and Marcus was able to, you know, walk through those two years of exactly what you were sharing with Hannah, just the, the decline, that slow decline of losing function after function. Um, and he was able to endure that with, and even with joy, like the last thing that he said to me before he couldn't talk anymore was a joke. <laughs> he was trying to, you know, he was trying to make me laugh and tell a joke, even though he couldn't do a lot of things anymore. And, and I think that that is God's grace. Like he gave Hannah, um, he gave Marcus. And, um, so I just think that is just so beautiful that God does that and provides, um, and, you know, we experience similar to you all too, that, you know, when this, when you get this type of diagnosis as a parent that you just never imagine, um, you're, you're going to get like, God gives you that grace. Um, and I think initially we were like, y'all, we were very hopeful. Um, okay. You know, God's got this, we're going to, we're just going to walk through this and surrender it to him. And, and then as, as it progresses and you begin to see, okay, he may not survive this, or she may not survive this. Um, it really is something that tests your faith like no other. Um, but it also has the, the ability to draw you closer to the Lord than anything else. You know, when we realize our complete powerlessness and oh God, I cannot do this without you, um, that there's something beautiful about totally having to rely on Jesus in those moments, um, like nothing else that you go through in life. Um, and so yes. I, I see the beauty in that too, in your guys' story that you really leaned into your faith and Hannah leaned into her faith. Um, and I love to hear that. So yeah. Jill, moving forward here, just if you could share, so Hannah, um, had her kind of that request. I want my life to, to be, um, to bring God glory. I want something in my life. And so how have you guys maybe used that in, in moving forward and dealing with the loss of your daughter, um, and trying to bring glory to God and find the good in all of that? Yeah. Share a little bit about that. Sure. 
Um, you know, one of the things, and I know you as a bereaved mom can relate to this as well, that we discovered very early on after Hannah went to heaven is that no one around us understood us anymore. Our our good friends who, you know, who walked with us through the journey, they just, they, they tried, you know, they tried to be there for us, wonderful, wonderful people, but they didn't get it. You know, um, our own family didn't understand. Um, when you have lost a child, it changes you. It changes you. It changes every fiber. I, I have said it changes every cell in your body. You are not the same person. Yeah. And the people around you sometimes don't know what to do with that. And we realized very early on that the people we were most comfortable with were other parents that had lost children, even if they had been complete strangers up until the time we met them. As soon as we would start to talk to them, it was like, these are our people. Yeah, <laughs> This is our tribe. These people understand us. And um, we looked to people who were farther ahead of us on our journey. And there was a couple in particular, well, two different couples that I can think of that had lost children a few years before us. And I remember looking at them in awe that they were still living and and apparently thriving and, and walking out their life. And I couldn't even imagine living a week or two yeah. weeks or a month or a year without Hannah. And, um, but I would look at them and I would think, well, they're making it, they're, they're doing it. Um, and I knew these were people of faith. And so I knew that's how they were doing it, but still, you know, you just, when you're there at, at that time, it's so hard to imagine. So I wanted to be with those people. How are you doing it? How are you making it? And, um, one of the things that, that happened the, the last several days of Hannah's life, we spent in a hospice center and you know how people will bring you things, um, you know, gift cards and food and books. A lot of people bring you books when you're in a situation like that. And one of the books that was brought to us was a book by uh, Nancy Guthrie, who people may recognize from the grief share videos. And it was a book called holding on to hope. Mm -hmm. And I read the back cover and kind of a little bit about her story. They've lost two babies. Um, and, and as I read that back cover, I thought to myself, I have to say, I have to admit, I kind of thought to myself, I wonder why somebody brought us this particular book, because it seems so different. Our stories seem so different with a 17 year old dying of cancer and someone who had lost infants. Mm -hmm. But, you know, after Hannah died and I was ready to read something again, that was the book I was drawn to out of all the books we were given. And the Guthrie's children were both diagnosed with a, with a terminal condition called Zellweger syndrome. Well, even though the ages were different, same thing, Hannah had been diagnosed with a terminal condition. And that book was all about the sovereignty of God. And what do you do with it when your child is is diagnosed with a terminal condition and you pray for healing and you know that God can heal and sometimes does choose to heal people, yet he does not heal your child. Um, and that was exactly what I needed to be reading at that time, because mm -hmm. that's what we had grappled with. Just like you said, you know, the faith, you have faith that your child can be healed, that God can heal your child. But I really believe it takes more faith to walk a journey like that, knowing and submitting to the fact that God may choose not to heal your child. Yeah. And you walk that journey trusting him and believing and, and leaning on his sovereignty, 
knowing how how it may turn out that the healing may not be here on this earth, but it may be in heaven. And that's what that book was about. And I ended up getting on her website and I discovered that she and her husband host retreats for bereaved parents in Nashville, Tennessee. Now I have to say about myself, I am the classic introvert. I am not a retreat person, which is kind of funny considering what we do now. Um, And I thought, wow, that sounds like a great thing for other people, but I'm not sure that I would ever want to go to something like that. Um, But I brought the idea to my husband. Yeah, he's the classic extrovert. He loves going to new things and meeting meeting new people. And so together we decided that we would go to this retreat and we went and it was by far the most helpful thing we had done on our grief journey. Um, even as an introvert, I walked into that room and I was immediately best friends with all of those people because we all um, understood what it was like to lose a child. Our stories were all very, very different but it didn't matter. It didn't matter the age of our child. It didn't matter the circumstances of their death. We were bound, we were bonded together and bound together by that common experience of child loss. And so we came home from that retreat and we really felt like God had planted a seed in us to, um, to bring that concept of, of a bereaved parent retreat back home to where we live in Arkansas. And through opportunities and and things that only he could have orchestrated, we hosted our first retreat for bereaved parents in April of 2011. Um, We used a borrowed facility. It was a church camp. There were bunk rooms. It was not ideal um, for the type of retreat that we wanted to do. But you know what? We had parents who came and it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, And that was just the very first retreat we had. And over the last 11 years, we have had the opportunity to host over 240 retreats. Wow. and, you know, our, our original thought was we would host two of these retreats a year. Um, and that was all we were ever going to do, but God had other, <laughs> other plans. Um, and we began hosting more and more. The demand began to grow. We've built a retreat facility here in hot springs, Arkansas, where we host most of them, but he's opened up opportunities for us to go to Maryland and Oregon and Michigan and Alabama and uh, Texas. And I could list all the states, but if I did, I would forget one. You have to go to the website to look at all of the different states. He's even opened an opportunity for us to go to Africa. Coming up in June, we're going to Botswana and we'll be hosting a retreat for bereaved parents in Africa. Um, And and all of our retreats are free. Um, At the very first one that we ever hosted, we were advised to charge for it. And so we did. Um, We figured for people to show up, you know, uh, and to have some skin in the game, they maybe should should, uh, pay a little bit, you know, just where they have, um, where they, where they actually will show up. Um, but you know, at the middle of that first retreat, we kind of gathered together with our partners and, um, it it was as if God was telling us, no, no, you don't need to charge these people. Mm -hmm. And so we, we gave them their money back before they left from that first weekend. And, um, so we haven't charged for a retreat since then. And, you know, God has provided for the ministry in such a way that we don't have to. And that's been such a blessing, but we've had the opportunity to meet, um, over 1800 people now, um, who have lost children and gotten to hear their stories and, um, and cry with them and 
rejoice with them, with the hope that we have, um, pray with them, fellowship with them, encourage them. And, um, it's just been an amazing thing. And, and to know that, you know, when Hannah prayed for that storm so that others could see God through her story, um, and that he would receive the glory for what she went through. That's that prayer has been answered over and over with the people who have come to our retreats, but then it's also been answered for me personally. Um, because I'm closer to the Lord than I ever was before, um, because of, you know, what we walked through with her. Um, in addition to the retreats, we also have support groups that meet around the country that, that are monthly support groups. Um, we have a, the, the Facebook group that you mentioned, it's actually called while we're waiting support for bereaved parents. And it's not just moms, although I will say it's mostly moms. Okay. <laughs> the moms are much more vocal uh -huh. than the dads are, but there are dads on that page too. They just kind of lurk in the background. Um, and, uh, you know, my husband's on there. there. There are quite a few men on there. Um, but that's that's been a great blessing, too, that that support group on, you know, on Facebook. There's a lot of parents that, for one reason or another, can't attend a retreat or, or aren't willing to come to an actual physical retreat. But we can support each other through that Facebook group. And that's been um, an encouragement for me as well. Um, and then we have our podcast that you mentioned is while we're waiting hope after child loss. And I never dreamed and you probably didn't either that I would ever have a podcast. But when COVID happened, all of our retreats were shut down all over the country, all of our support groups were shut down. And um you know, we wanted to still be able to offer something for our parents and who knew how long all of those things were going to be shut down. So I think it was July of 2020, we started with the podcast and it's still going, <laughs> even though all of our other things have started too. Um, but I've enjoyed it. It's been a really um, neat thing because I'm, I'm able to have guests on. Many of them have attended our retreats and it's a blessing to, to be able to share their stories to a larger audience. Yes. Um, wow. The thing, the, the thing I wrote down as you were talking was, you know, like, won't he just do it? You know, like, yes. I just think it's just incredible when I hear your story, like, um, we make plans and we think, okay, I'm just going to do, you know, two retreats a month, or I'm just, you know, a little small seed starts. And then all of a sudden, you know, God just says his plans are abundantly more than we could ask or think yes. is what the Bible says. And yes. I see that all over your guys' story is just, you know, you were obedient and faithful and just starting small and, and then trusting God with it. And he's just, he had such great big plans and so many people have been impacted and, and just what a blessing, like that has to feel so good in honoring your daughter in that way and knowing like, you know, she, she wanted this and you're doing that for her. And so many people are being blessed and encouraged by that. Um, and so that is just incredible. I'm so excited to hear about the Africa trip and all. I didn't know about that. So that's so great. Yeah. And I just want to let you, you know, the listeners know, um, I'm going to put all of these links in the show notes because I just want, you know, if you're listening and you've lost um, a child or you know somebody that has, you know, please share this episode with them and all of Jill's um, information so that they can con get connected because, what, what she shared and what I found myself is there is such comfort in um, community 
and support. I think when you lose a child, sometimes you feel um, very isolated and alone in your pain and nobody understands and nobody gets this. And, and it's really hard. You still love all your family and friends, but you're just, it's just different. Um, And so there is comfort in being around other people who have gone through what you're going through. Um, And, and just to share stories of, even if they're different, even if the stories aren't the same, there's that bond and connection of just losing a child. Um, And there's so much healing. I think of that verse in uh, first Corinthians or second Corinthians one, four that says he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. And it's just such a beautiful uh, cycle that God uses, you know, our pain. He comforts us in our pain so that then we can turn around and comfort other people, which is what you're doing through this ministry. So thank you so very much for, um, for all you do. And I would love to attend one of your retreats. I wanted to say too, for anybody listening who is not married, I think you guys also offer some retreats for single moms or single dads. And so just check out the website and you can get more information about the the retreats and where they're at. Um, And I think it's incredible that they're free as well, um, making that a possibility for, you know, anybody to be able to attend that has lost a child. So, um, Jill in closing here, what, um, do you have any final thoughts, anything that you would want to share with the listener? Um, just as an encouragement, um, maybe someone listening, who's just feeling hopeless, you know, they just aren't seeing the, the, the beauty in their situation and they're just feeling hopeless and discouraged. What would you share with that listener? Yeah. I just remember when I was early on in my grief, just how incredibly heavy it felt. Um, There were times I felt like I couldn't even sit up straight because Mm -hmm. the weight of the grief was just so heavy. And I had no idea as somebody, you know, who had just been living my life and everything was great. And I would watch and see other people who lost children or went through a terrible loss. I, Uh, just to confess, I would think, well, those people are probably really sad for, I don't know, three or four months, maybe a year. And then they just kind of get over it is what I thought. Mm. Oh, I was so wrong. Child loss, you don't ever get over um, until we see our children again. I mean, we will be healed, but I think, I think the rest of our lives after the loss of a child is, is going to be walking out that journey. Mm -hmm. Um, I do believe it gets lighter over time. And one of the things I had to learn early on was to just give myself a lot of grace. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get better. I wanted to be better. Um, and it's just a process. It just takes so much time. Uh, I have compared it before, you know, when you're early on in your grief, it's like you're carrying this gigantic boulder mm-hmm. around. And the only place you could carry it is right in front of you because it's so big and you can't hardly see around it. You can't see over it. You can't see under it or around it. It's just all you can see and carrying the weight of it. It's hard to even walk. It's hard to do anything. Your hands are you know, completely caught up with just carrying this boulder. It's all you can do for a while. But over time, that boulder becomes a little bit more like, you know, imagine holding a baby on your hip. You know how that is. It's kind of cumbersome. It takes a lot of your attention. The baby is very wiggly and squirmy, um, but you can kind of manage it a little bit better. Um, And then over time, 
I feel like that grief kind of becomes more like a backpack that you carry on your back. It's always there. It doesn't go away. You're still aware of it. And there are times that it becomes very, very heavy, depending on, you know, season of the year or when it's your child's birthday or when something else is being celebrated in the family and your child's not there or when people are taking pictures and your kid's not there. They were supposed to graduate from high school and all their friends are graduating and they're not there or first day of kindergarten, your child's not there that weight can be really, really heavy on the back in your backpack. But most days it's there, you're aware of it, but you can, you can function with a backpack, you know? Um, so that's kind of how, for me, my grief has evolved through time. Um, and you've got to look to the Lord for your strength. If you try to do all of that in your own strength, you know, you just, you just can't, um, you've got to look to him. You've got to get involved with other bereaved parents that are believers that can encourage you on your journey. You've got to read the word. Um, it's really hard. It's really hard sometimes to, to open up your Bible, to pray. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of bereaved parents that said, yeah, I can't, I can't even pray anymore. I don't have the words. I don't know what to say. Well, that's okay. You know, we don't have to have the words. And Romans 8 tells us that the Spirit prays for us, intercedes for us when we don't even have the words to intercede for ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, so just come to Him with whatever you've got and lay it out before Him and, and talk to Him and say, I don't understand this. I don't like this. I don't want to live this life without my child, but I'm giving it to you. And please help me just to get through the next moment, just moment by moment. Um, and, you know, that's that's what we have to do early on. We talk a lot at, at our retreats about how we don't don't move on. We don't move on, but we can move forward. Um, and even if it's just leaning forward, you may not even be able to take one step forward, but if all you can do is lean forward, um, that's, that's progress. That's something. Um, and the only way we can do that is by trusting in, in God and, um, clinging to him. Um, so that's that. And, and for me, a huge part of my healing through my moving forward was getting connected with other bereaved parents and who were just a little bit farther down the road. One of the uh, illustrations we sometimes use is the concept of drafting. If you think about geese, they fly in a V, you know, the strong one is out front and the ones that are behind are kind of drafting along behind the, the head goose. Um, NASCAR, the same kind of thing, you know, you've got your lead car and the other kind cars kind of try to get in behind him and draft, uh, marathon runners do that too. And for me, um, in my grief, it was helpful to find somebody that I could look at and kind of draft behind, um, and go to and say, how did you handle this? Um, what did you do about that? I'm really struggling with this. And those people are the people you want to look to that are a little bit farther down the journey than you that are, are that are moving forward and, and living well. Our, our, our kind of theme scripture for while we're waiting is Romans 8, 25. It says, but if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. And that's where the name while we're waiting comes from. Mm -hmm. I have a certain amount of time that I have to live here on earth 
before I get to see Hannah again one day. So I have a decision to make, and that is, what am I going to do with my time while I'm waiting for that day? I want to live well while I'm waiting. And uh, that's what we talk about at our retreats is how can we live well while we're waiting to see our children again? And, um, you know, that's, that can be something that you can set as a goal. Mm -hmm. And for some people, especially early on living well, maybe getting up and taking a shower and that may be all you get, you know, and that's okay. That's living well for you that day. But over time, as God brings healing in your life, you can do a little more and a little more and a little more. And one day you may find yourself being the one that others are drafting behind. Um, so that's, that's, that's probably more than you wanted <laughs> when you asked that question, but that's, that's what I've got. Oh my goodness. No, that's beautiful. Like such, um, beautiful pictures that you, that you shared to be able to be able to visualize that and just such, um, encouraging wisdom. Um, so thank you so much for that. I think, you know, like what I heard the most out of that was give yourself lots and lots of grace yes. and, and keep hoping, you know, like never give up hope, just keep moving forward, leaning forward, like you said, um, and keeping your eyes on Jesus, um, and getting in, in, in community with other people yes. who've lost children. Um, so I know that this has encouraged me so much today and, um, I'm, know that those listening have been encouraged, even if they haven't lost a child, just hearing your, what you've done with your trial, your struggle that you've been through, um, has been beautiful. So Jill, thank you so much again for just being here today and taking the time out of your schedule. And if you would just close us out in prayer today, that would be so wonderful. I would love that. Thank you. Lord, we come before you today, uh, just in awe of your sovereignty. Um, I thank you for this opportunity to be able to share uh, my story, and I pray that it's been an encouragement to someone today. I pray for those um, moms and dads who may be listening who find themselves on a grief journey, whether it's the loss of a child or uh, the loss of a job, the loss of a home, the loss of a relationship, Lord, that they can turn to you and look to you for their hope. Um, we know there is no hope outside of you. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness to us, um, even in times of great loss, of great pain and grief. You, you are our hope that you are, and you are always faithful. Even when we turn from you, uh, sometimes when we've gone through a loss, we become angry or we become um we become impatient um, with you. We become uh, disenchanted with our in our relationship with you. Lord, I pray for those folks who are there today that find themselves at a distance from you. Lord, I pray that they would feel your loving touch. That they would um, that that you would restore uh, what the locusts have eaten. Lord, that you would bring them back into relationship with you. Uh, that you would give them a desire for those that can't even find the strength to pray right now, Lord, that you would remind them of your faithfulness, remind them that even if they feel distant, that you're still there and that they can reach out to you at any point and you will be there. I thank you for Katie and for her faithfulness with this podcast, uh, that she is uh, sharing the hope of Jesus um, in every episode. And I thank you for her. And I pray that you'll strengthen her to just be able to continue to share 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey friend, are you feeling stuck? Maybe in your relationship with God, yourself, or other people in your life? As a professional life and relationship coach, I can help you discover unhealthy patterns and mindsets that are holding you back from experiencing more fulfilling relationships and stepping into that God-sized calling on your life with confidence. You can email me at katie at anchoredinalways.com. And be sure to check out my brand new website at anchoredinalways.com for more information and to book your 20-minute free discovery session with me today. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode and would like to connect and learn more, join our community on Facebook at Anchored in Always. I will put all of these links in the show notes for you. Lastly, I want to bring this message of hope and healing to as many hurting people as possible. So help me spread the love by sharing this podcast on your social media outlets. Please take a quick minute to subscribe and leave me a review. Thank you for anchoring in with me today. God bless you as you weather your storms.